Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. I want you to think of one word to describe yourself or maybe how other people might describe you. And I want you to think of it, maybe think of it in the terms of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. All right. Which one of the seven dwarfs uh, uh, best uh, uh, describes you as an individual? You know, is it, uh, you know, sleepy, sneezy, happy, grumpy, or dopey? <laughs> if you're trying to describe yourself, how would you describe yourself? Uh, I remember when I was in elementary school, I had a buddy. I never could remember his name. Everybody called him Stinky. And I didn't know why they called him Stinky, so I went to him one time and said, Stinky, why does everybody call you Stinky? He said, I don't know why they call me Stinky, but it didn't take long to hang around Stinky that you knew why people called him Stinky. Today we're going to talk about a a group of individuals that we don't know their names, but we know a lot about them. They're called wise men. Now that's a name I'd like to be known. I'd like to be known as Bruce the Wise. (laughs) I know you're laughing. Okay, it's a wish. Okay, Bruce the Wise. Even I just wish my grandchildren to say how wise I am and my children. I think I could live with that name, Bruce the Wise, or the wise individual. But these individuals, they only come to us in one, one book in the Bible, in the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. We're told this story uh, of these wise men. Uh, that's a pretty good nickname, wise men. Now stop and think about this story if the wise men had been wise women. I want you to think what would have happened. I think the whole story would have took on a different significance. First, I think they would have stopped and asked for directions before they arrived in Jerusalem and warned King Herod. (laughs) Second, I think they would have arrived in time to deliver the baby. Uh, Third, I think they would have cleaned and decorated the stable to make it a more soothing environment for the baby. And finally, I think they would have brought more practical gifts, such as a casserole, diapers, and baby wipes. Uh, But be that as it may, it wasn't women uh, that came, it was wise men. So despite the shortcomings of these these men, uh, they are still seen as wise in the pages pages of Scripture and through uh, all of Christianity as we think about them. And their wisdom is actually more evident than their names. So when when we come to this time of this year and we celebrate Christmas and we think about these wise men, I think there's some things we can learn from them that will help us have a wise Christmas this year. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We'll have the words on the screen for you, but I always like you to be in the Word so you can look at it on your own. We're going to look at these words this morning under the heading, How We Can Have a Wise Christmas. How to Have a wise Christmas. Follow along as I read Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had, when he had called together The people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
or by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I'm going to give you four truths in here to help you have a wise Christmas. The first one is we must seek him. We must seek him. How many of you have seen the movie The Goonies? Anybody seen The Goonies? Man, y'all are deprived, all right? The Goonies. The Goonies was a, a show several years, 20, 30 years, I don't know how long ago. In The Goonies, it's a story of a, of a, of a family who was about to lose their house to foreclosure. And, and they were going to lose all their friends and they had to move away from the school. So one little boy said, I'm not going to do this. He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to find a way to save my house. And he knew the story of a pirate's treasure. And so he gathered all of his little neighborhood friends. They said, we're going to find the treasure. And so uh, they went looking for the treasure, hoped they could find the treasure, they could pay the bank, and they'd be saved from foreclosure. And so uh, the story follows them as they, they go through, through mazes, and they go through traps, they go through booby traps, they have to solve riddles and, and all these things, and they even have to run away from the bad guys to find the treasure. And after going through all, the, all these experiences at the very end, uh, near-death experiences, they find the pirate ship and they find the treasure and they save their family from foreclosure, save their house, and they all live happily ever after. Now, why did I tell you that story? Because I tell you that story because it goes to show you that if you will seek something with all your heart, you can find it. You can find it. And this is what we see happening with the wise men. They illustrate to us how you can seek something with all your heart. They saw a star. And because they saw a star, they said, that's going to help us find the Messiah. It's going to help us find the Savior. Now, they had a, a little bit of evidence to go by in order in following the star. The Magi, as they're called in, in this version, are the wise men, were men learned in astronomy, they were learned in astrology, and they, they were learned in natural science. They were men of, of great learning. Uh, and, and they were not even Jews. These were men that traveled from the east, probably Iran, somewhere out in that area, if we think about it today, Persia, if we think of that. Uh, they were men that traveled from the east. They weren't Jews, but apparently they were aware of the scriptures. Uh, they must have heard some of the Old Testament prophecies that told about the coming of the Messiah. You know, first they knew that there was going to be a Jewish Messiah that was coming. But how did they know to follow a star? How did they know that that star would lead them to the promised Messiah? Maybe it was just a unique phenomenon. And they thought, hey, this is unique. We've never seen this before. Let's just follow that star and see what happens. Eh, Probably not, because if that's the case, why did they bring gifts? They must have knew something about this star. 
they knew that it was a sign of Christ. Why? Because they knew the Scripture. Over in Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17, it talks about a prophecy of a star. The prophet Balaam is talking to Balak about a coming king. And this is what he says in Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Judah. And so they, they read that, they heard that prophecy, they see this star and they say, it's telling us something. We're going to follow that star so that we can find out what it's trying to tell us. It was predicting the coming of Christ, that star. Balaam may not have known it, but Balaam said the coming of Christ is going to be accompanied by a star that will point his way. Now, from this experience of the wise men, we learned two things about what it means to, to seek the Lord of all of our heart. These wise men were in the Word, and they knew the Word. And then they followed it, no matter how ridiculous it might look. They were in the Word, they knew the Word, and they decided, we're going to follow the truth in this Word, even if others may find it ludicrous, even if they do not buy into what we're doing. That's what the Goonies, the movie The Goonies is all about. Only one little boy really believed in the treasure. Only one. The others didn't believe it. They were just having fun. They were just having an adventure. But he would not let go that there's treasure to be found that will save us, that will rescue my family. The wise men knew the prophecies. And they believed in these prophecies. Others looked at them and said, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. How do we know that? Because they didn't pursue the Bethlehem once the wise men came. They stayed behind. And only the wise men went. We think there's three. There may have been more. Only they went. Here's the thing for you and me. You want to have a wise Christmas this year? You want to have a wise next year? Get in the Word of God. Get in the Word of God and know the Word of God and then believe it even if it seems a little odd and a little weird. Do it. Get into it. That's how you're going to have a wise Christmas. Second truth. First, we must seek Him. Second, we must fall down and worship before Him. We must fall down and worship before Him. I read about a man who was uh, sitting at his uh, kitchen table reading all his uh, Christmas cards he gets from his friends and family. And he came to one from his bank. And he opened up, up, the, up the letter and looked at it. And it says, a beautiful Christmas card, inside and outside. And then the, on the inside it said, Merry Christmas from our house to our house. It probably was a reminder to him that he really didn't own the house as long as there was a loan against it. It really belong to the bank. How does that apply to Christmas? We have taken ownership of Christmas when it really belongs to God. We have taken it as a, as a holiday for ourselves when really it's a time for us to reflect upon Him and His goodness and His grace. Why do we celebrate? Is, don't we celebrate because God sent His Son into the world to save us? Isn't that why we celebrate? I read somebody said one time, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent us an economist. 
If our greatest need would have been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent a Savior. He sent a Savior into the world. Because of what God did, this is His holiday. This is a holiday about God, for God. And we ought to keep Him first and foremost into our mind, offering ourselves to Him in, in, in true worship to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the wise thing to do. To offer Him uh, the, the praise and the worship that He deserves. The wise men fell down and they worshipped Him. Is that what we're doing this Christmas season? Is that what we're doing? If, if you look at the context, you look at the original uh, Scripture, well, even this one, verse 11, it says, they bowed down and worshipped Him. You know, I don't know if they got down on their knees. I don't know if they got down on their knees and worshipped or if they bowed down like this, I, I don't know. All I can know is that they bowed down, and the word means they prostrated themselves before the Lord. Now stop and think, but these are, men of, these are men of rank. They probably had people bow down to them. And here they were in their, 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 royal, their royal garments, their, their beautiful garments, and they're bowing down in a stable. You get the picture? Bowing down in a stable before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Stop and think, but I was reading this today. I didn't have this in my sermon, but I was reading my, I have a study Bible at home, and I have one here at the office, and I was reading in my notes, in my study Bible at home, some notes that I had penciled in. I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know why, uh, but I wrote them down. I said, here's these wise men. They traveled a long distance for a long time for a short amount of worship. How does that compare to what we do? We travel five minutes, and the minute we get here, we're looking at the watch. When's it going to be over? When's it going to be over? Or, you know, it's not really my style. I think I'll go home. I think I'll go home. I wonder how our worship compares to the worship of the wise men. It's just something for us to think about. As we do that, we know that they came, and the scripture doesn't say they sang a Christmas carol, the first Noel, the angels. They, you know, they didn't sing joy to the world. You know, those were written a long time later, right? As a matter of fact, it doesn't even say they sang anything. It just said they bowed down and worshipped. That's what they did. We worshipped. And obviously, worshiping means going beyond wishing someone a Merry Christmas. It's something about the worship that these wise men did that stirred in their souls to lay down their pomp and, and to lay down their pride and to bow before a baby and give him the worship that he deserved. In order to truly worship in the way that these individuals did, we must fall down and worship before Him. That means offering our entire being, our entire self in humble worship to God. And lay down our pride and lay down, lay down and bow before Him in worship to Him. It's about Him, not about us. And that's what these men realize. So the first truth, we must seek Him. Second, we must fall down and worship before Him. Third, we must give something back. I read the story 
of a mother who told her who was not going to tell her children anymore to write thank you notes or thank you acknowledgments to all the gifts they received. So that year they got their gifts from the grandmother and the grandmother didn't get any thank you notes back. The next year it changed. Uh, the next year she told her, uh, her friends, said, oh, all my grandchildren came over and thanked me for the gifts that I gave and said, wow, what did you do? She goes, I didn't sign the checks. <laughs> Y'all might want to try that. <laughs> I'm not for sure. Have you ever been to that thing where you've been somewhere, you know, a friend, a party, a school, and someone brought you a Christmas gift and you didn't get them anything? You ever been, been in that situation? Uh, I, I have made a, a, a vow as a pastor. I get, I get some gifts every now and then, uh, you know, from people. There's no way I can ever return all, you know, I can give everybody that gives me a gift a gift. So I just say thank you, you know, it's, it's a blessing for that. So you're not going to be getting cookies for me, okay? <laughs> I just want you to know that. Uh, but I, I do thank you for that. But, but we get in that awkward situation. What do we do when somebody gives us a gift? Uh, we stumble for words to say. It's kind of like the old Southwest Airlines commercials. Remember the old Southwest Airlines commercials? Uh, they always had one phrase. And no matter what it was, whether it was somebody who had, uh, you know, walked into the wrong restroom and looked around, uh, today, that's probably more acceptable with, uh, uh, in the eyes of society. But you walk in, you realize you're in the wrong restroom, or, or, you, or you realize, uh, uh, what's the other one, that you've, uh, 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 you knock over a display in the department store and everybody's looking at you, or uh, you're answering the guy who's talking on the phone to his friend, and you think he's talking to you, and you tell him that you love him, and he goes, uh, uh, hang up, uh, let me talk, uh, somebody's trying to talk to me like that. No matter what the situation is, the catch line is always this, want to get away? You ever been like that? You've got a gift, you go, oh man, I wish I could get away from this. Uh, I want to get away from that. You ever feel like that? It's only natural. It's only natural when you receive a gift and you don't have anything to give back. You just want to crawl away and do that. Jesus taught his disciples about prayer. Right after he taught them about prayer, he taught this in Luke 11, verse 11 through 13. He said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give you a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, know you are, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Listen, God has given us an incredible gift He's given us His Son. He's given us salvation. He's given us gifts. He's given us abilities. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us incredible gifts. What did you give to Jesus? What did you give to God? After all that He's given you, I know you want to get away, don't you? You want to get away. Listen, the wise men weren't even churchgoers. Let's get that out of our mind. These were not Jews. These were not churchgoers. But they gave gifts that were set apart for royalty and some of the richest gifts that could be given at the time. Now, we know why, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that happened. Because they had to fund their trip to Egypt for 12 years. They didn't know that. But they saw something in this child 
They saw something in this child that made them give extravagantly to him. Let me ask you a question. Are you giving your best to God? Are you giving above the 10% that he asks of you? Are you even given the 10% that he asks of you? Are you given of your time? Are you given of your talents to him? He has given us so much. What are we giving back to him this Christmas season? Jesus came and he gave it all for us. Should we not in turn give something back to him that honors him? Not just this Christmas season, but every day, henceforth, we should do it. So to have a wise scripture, you've got to seek him. You've got to fall down and worship before him. You've got to give something back. Finally, we are to be open to God's leading. Be open to God's leading. A funny thing happened to the wise men on their re- as they made their return. They went a different way. They went a different way. You know, they didn't go the safe, comfortable, and familiar route. They took a detour. Uh, think, think about the situation for a moment. They didn't have detailed maps back in those days. You know, they didn't have a GPS that they could put in there. Oh, they could probably follow the stars, but, you know, uh, you know they didn't have their wives there to tell them which way to go. Uh, you know, that was a joke, okay, ladies? Uh, you pick it up, okay? Uh, they were guided by the stars, but wouldn't it have been easier just to go back the same route that they traveled? I mean... They could stop in Jerusalem and enjoy the nightlife in Jerusalem. It's a great, it's a metropolitan city. They could have enjoyed Jerusalem and spent some time there. You know, uh, they already knew where all the great holiday inns were. They knew where all the great eating places were on, on the side of the road. Wouldn't it have been easier just to go back the same way they came? That's the logical thing. That would be that would make perfect sense of us. I mean, why pass up this opportunity? to go back and retrace your steps and kind of see some of the sights you didn't quite get to see before. Now, scriptures tell us why they did it, because God told them to do it. God said, I want you to avoid, he didn't tell them why, he just, I want you to avoid Herod and go a different way. Here's the thing. Sometimes when God tells you to go a different, do something, it may not be the way that you've always done it. It may not look is what you would like it to look like. How many of you would like to be able to know God's plan and where he wants to lead you? How many of you would like to know that? How many of you would like, you don't have to raise your hand, I'm just giving you, a, it's a rhetorical question, okay? Thank you, there. I appreciate that, brother. Uh, uh, you would like to know what is God's plan and how is he going to lead me? Follow the example of the wise men. Seek him. Seek him with all your heart. Seek Him with all your heart. Second, worship Him in spirit and in truth. Third, give gifts to God. Then He will communicate His will to you. It was only after the wise men did this that God then communicated what He wanted them to do. He told them to take a different 
route. Too many times what we do is we jump the gun and say, okay, God, I'm going to do this, and we continue doing the same things we've always done, uh, participating the exact same way we've always done, and we ask, God, oh, now God bless that. We find people that agree with us. We, 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 we find things that we like to do, and we say, okay, now God bless this, instead of saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? But sometimes you've got to step back and say, okay, God, not my plans, your plans. God, not my way, your way. And when you begin to do that, you'll begin to sense God's leadership in your life. But it's only after we are seeking Him, after we are worshiping Him, and we are giving Him our all. Notice one more thing. God's plan is not our plan. It's often more difficult, and it requires us to change our plans. It would have been easier for them to plan to return the same way that they came. That would have been easier. That would have been much more comfortable. That would have been less challenging to them. Human nature is we always want to be comfortable and we want what is familiar to us. That's what we want. We want God endorsing our plans instead of us working with God in His plans. Listen, hear me on this. God will not work in your comfort zone. He won't work in your comfort zone. Why is that? Because you don't need God. You're comfortable. But when you step out and say, okay, God, you are challenging me. You are challenging me to move from here to here. God says, good. That's exactly where I want you because now I can work in your life. He won't do it. And he won't do it in churches either. He won't. One more thing. In December of 1903, I don't think any of you were there, okay? But the Wright brothers sailed the first, uh, not sailed, flew the first plane. December of 1903. So they sent a letter to their sister Catherine back home and in the letter, it said this, we have actually flown 120 feet. We will be home for Christmas. Catherine was excited. So she goes down to the local newspaper reporter and shares that information with them. And the editor looks at it and goes, oh, how good, the boys will be home for Christmas. <laughs> he missed the whole point of the letter. They had flown 120 feet. So many times we come to Christmas and we celebrate the gifts, we celebrate the music, we celebrate the, uh, the, the cake and the cookies and, and, and all the goodies and we celebrate family and we forget the most important news. It's about Him. It's about Jesus. You want to have a wise Christmas? Remember whose it is. It's His. You know, as the season passes, tomorrow night, Christmas Eve, then Christmas, as the season passes, don't miss the main point. Seek Him. Worship Him. Give to Him and hear God's voice. I saw a bumper sticker a while back. It says, the wise still seek Him. You want to be wise? 
Seek Jesus. Seek Him with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And when you do that, guess what? You have a Christmas beyond your wildest dreams. And God will bless you. God will bless you. In a moment, we're going to give you a chance to respond. I think we're going to sing, Be Thou My Vision. You know, during the quietness of this moment, as the praise team comes forward, I want you to ask God, God, give me a vision of Jesus this Christmas season. I know that many of you are like my family. Some of you have children that don't necessarily believe in Jesus or they don't understand Jesus. But you can still make it about Jesus. And when your family comes, because I've heard people, oh, I've got all kinds of people coming to my house. They don't go to church. I say, well, they better go to church at your house. Read the Christmas story. Make sure they know it's not about that big fat man in the red suit. It's about Jesus. And so we pray that God will give you a vision of what Christmas is all about. Would you stand to your feet? If I'll lead us in prayer, I'll be here for you. If you want to come and pray, you want to come and talk, maybe you got, there's a decision you need to make, we're going to invite you to come. As I lead us in prayer, Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you for this opportunity you've given to us to gather together today. We pray your blessings on this time. That, Father, you truly would give us a vision of what Christmas can be, what Christmas should be. Father, what Christmas is all about. Father, we want to seek you. We want to have a wise Christmas. We want to seek you. We want to worship you, Father. We want to give our gifts to you, Father. And we want to be open to your leadership in our lives. Speak to our hearts this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.